Hello and welcome to the first episode of Talking Law from Women in the Law and Business UK. I'm Sally Penny, a barrister at Kenworthy's Chambers in Manchester. I'm also the Joint Vice Chair of the Association of Women Barristers and the founder of Women in the Law and Business UK, an organisation which is passionate about supporting the next leaders in law and encouraging career progression through personal development. On each episode of Talking Law, I'll aim to keep you up to date with everything going on at Women in the Law and all our news and forthcoming events and details of how you can get involved with our get-togethers and organisation as a whole. But most importantly, you'll also get to hear from a leading advocate in the legal professions. Someone who has very much walked the walk and talked the talk and has something to say about the profession we've all chosen. This month, you'll hear from the very inspiring Jodie Hill on how law needs to take an active responsibility for its employees' well-being and why she felt compelled to start her own law firm. Everyone that we employ either has a mental health condition or um, their very close family are suffering with something and they're very open about it in the office. So we wanted to create an environment where people could just be themselves. But first, a roundup of what's been happening in the world of Women in the Law and Business UK. This year, we have expanded from our Manchester base and launched in London, Liverpool and Leeds and have our Scottish launch at the end of January. There are lots of events planned in the next couple of months covering career progression, secrets to success, to well-being at work. On the 31st of January, we're in Manchester with Mary Bonser from Flex and The Apprentice star Lauren Riley, and we're discussing how to be indispensable in technology and the law. We're discussing how to look after your own well-being at work in Leeds on the 29th of January and in Manchester on the 28th of February. And on the 14th of March, we'd love you to join us for our annual dinner, celebrating 100 years since women were allowed to practice law in the UK. You can find out more details and book your place at womeninthelawuk.com or womeninthelawuk.co.uk. We've also commissioned some very exciting research about retention and senior leaders in law. So do look out for the report and the recommendations. Now, on to this month's interview. Jodie Hill is Managing Director and Solicitor at Thrive Law in Leeds. She has also been shortlisted by the Law Society of England and Wales for Personality of the Year 2018. Jodie, thank you so much for talking to us today. Uh, Welcome. Um, Tell me what inspired you to get into law. Oh, a few things really. Um, well, I, gr- I grew up without uh, kind of anyone in the law, so I didn't have any experience. So I, I looked more f- at the ideal situation of, well, I suppose what people see on television mm. and helping people and that kind of inspirational person that they're perceived to be in the media. Yes. Um, so that was my initial um, reason to want to go into the law is to, to help people really. Oh, interesting. So did you have any female role models or, I mean, who were your role models? I'm just interested in sort of your background and maybe education. So I'm from a working class family, um, but I did get a scholarship to go to a private school. So I had a bit of a mixed upbringing. And in terms of role models, um, more later in in life than than earlier was Michelle Moan, because I know that she had a similar, she had 
quite a working class upbringing and then she's obviously well, she's, she's obviously a billionaire which is slightly different to me um, but she has been really really successful she has. and I think it's really admirable a lot of the work that she does and also Lady Hale she's yeah. obviously from Yorkshire like oh, me I know amazing um, she's so fantastic and obviously she has the most senior role um, in the legal profession yes yeah, so, because she's president of the Supreme Court exactly yes. so yeah. so I think both of those are inspirational for very different reasons yeah amazing um, now can I ask you a little about challenges so what were the biggest challenges that sort of faced you at the start of your career and really you know how did you overcome them a lot of my challenges were in relation to the network that I had because it was very, very small. Right. Um, I didn't have any um, network from family or friends. So yeah. a lot of that was uh, it was quite difficult to get to, well, to get work experience and to get into some of the firms. So, yeah. so those things I found particularly difficult, but threw myself in, continually attacked people online. Well, not attacked them, but, you know, constantly <laughs> messaging them because otherwise, if you don't put yourself out there, then people... People are just simply going to ignore you because they're so busy. Yes. Um, so I actually used LinkedIn and um, contacted managing partners and they Fantastic. reluctantly said, yes, come in. And, and actually, that's how I've got every single one of my jobs is wow. from just being really proactive online. So whilst I didn't have a network, I was able to use modern technology and, and embrace it. So, Fantastic. Yeah. And not be fearful of it. Yes, of course. Yeah. So I think that's a lot of the issues now is that people are so scared um, to, to approach and it seems quite adorable prospect yeah. to approach somebody in, in that position but actually we've all been there yes um, and we know how difficult it can be so um, so yeah I think that's, that's that is so just embrace awesome. it yeah <laughs> and you know don't, don't let it don't be scared yeah don't be scared um, that's great advice actually I'm thrown off now um, <laughs> can I ask you a few other things then well, what's kind of surprised you most about working in the law I suppose the way that the law is um, perceived perhaps especially when you're younger um, there's there's not a lot of admin work on the telly yes. <laughs> um, so, there's, so there's lots of admin but I think a lot of it is it's people skills and it's people management as well it's simply um, being able to communicate effectively that's a lot of what being a lawyer is about yes and it's time management and it's admin there's so much more to it than the law and I think a lot of the time people assume that um, you just charge a really high fee and just kind of sit there and kick back and, and you know, you're like on an episode of Suits yes. where they're just <laughs> drinking bourbon all the time. When actually, <laughs> we're actually doing a lot of hours. Uh, we put a lot of hours in and a lot goes into being a lawyer Absolutely. behind the scenes. And I was also taken aback by how much marketing business development is required from, from the legal profession because a lot of firms don't have their own department for that. Yes. And you're required to bring in all of your own work. Absolutely. So, so it's very different to how it's perceived in the media, I think. Yeah, no, sure. no, you're you're absolutely right. You know, across the profession, really, for solicitors yeah. and, and barristers. barristers yeah. yeah. Now let's talk a bit about diversity in the profession. The D word. <laughs> um, what do you think about the diversity in our profession? I think that well, my understanding is that there there's um, more women entering the profession than men. However, in the senior roles, there appears to be very little women, and I I might be wrong in my statistic, but last time I checked, it was only sixteen like percent. Yeah, spot on. Of equity partners are. 
female, which yeah. is outstanding. I yeah. mean, how is that even possible? So my view is that I don't think it's diverse. And I think my own experience was it was really difficult. I actually trained at the bar before I became a solicitor. Fantastic. And good choice. Good choice. <laughs> but I did think, but what one thing I did find was that that was actually, that was even more difficult for me, having no, having come from a working class background, because yes. the bar is notoriously difficult to succeed at. And whilst I was offered pupillage and I didn't take it, it was still for me, I was kind of thinking, well, where am I going to get my work from? And, you know, there was so much pressure and yeah. the, the, the amount of money that they pay for pupillage when I had no financial backing, it didn't even cover my rent. So no. if you don't come from a high higher class background or have funds surplus to just fund yourself for a year then yes. it can be really difficult unless you get into one of the big chambers yeah which, um, which is yeah which is really really difficult obviously yeah. again to do so so i think from a diversity perspective that obviously that covers gender and class yeah um, but it's but it's similar um you know for, for race as well i think that we're you know the profession is very underrepresented mm. and and what need- do, what do you think about how we could tackle this problem. I mean, it's a big issue mm. and, you know, some of the stuff that Women in the Law UK are doing is tackling it. But how do you think that we could tackle um, the problem? It's about empowering those people who it affects and showing them that actually they can succeed in at, at, at any career in the law, regardless of their background, regardless of their ethnicity or their gender. And putting initiatives in place uh, within the workplace, within the profession, from the law society, from the SRA. Yes. So I think there's there's lots of different things that, that we can do as a society. But I think individual firms can look to empower individuals to so that they actually apply to those types of firms as well, or yes. chambers, vice versa. Yes. Um, and I know there are things ongoing at the moment, but yeah. I'm not sure that it's quite enough to reach out to some of the um, harder to reach areas. areas. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Interesting. So do you think retention is one of the biggest issues when it comes to diversity? And how do you think we could deal with that? Certainly so with women. Yes. Um, because I think the issue we have with women in retention is that they'll go on maternity leave and then that year or so, might be shorter, might be longer, is is crucial for them because mm. they're out of the loop. Um, they often aren't put on any return to work scheme that's sufficient enough to put them back in the position they would have been. They might have missed promotion, career mm. progression, overlooked for other opportunities. Yes. And so I think that we we have issues around retention when it comes to returning to work from maternity leave for sure. Yeah. And how, how do you think that the profession um, would change if it was more diverse? Well, I think it would be more approachable for people. At the moment, the profession still, regardless of what most people's opinions are I think it's still quite inaccessible to a lot of people there's a perception that we're very expensive everyone's middle class and actually those perceptions don't truly reflect it Um, but I think there are still changes that could be made and if if there was a more diverse profession Mm. then it would potentially be able to be more accessible to more people. More people. So yeah, if we had sure. more working class lawyers, yeah. we or more disabled lawyers, or M- more you know, relatable to society. Exactly. There'll be yeah. there'll be more entrance of, of from those backgrounds. For sure. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and the whole point of the legal system is access to justice for all, not just for a particular race or or class. So yeah. Ooh, fantastic. Can I ask you then about you? More about you. Ah. It's all about you. <laughs> um, about um, setting up Thrive Law. Yeah. Why did you set set up Thrive? Um, well, two reasons. So 
mainly because I felt that there was a bit of a gap in the market in terms of having a a law firm where you could really just be your true self. So you can talk about your disability, talk about your religion, your beliefs. So we we employ, everyone that we employ either has a mental health condition or um, their very close family are suffering with something and they're very open about it in the office. So we wanted to create an environment where people could just be themselves, basically. And I think there's a lot, of issues entrenched in traditional firms because of what's seen to be successful, what's seen to be the right way to be. You've got to bill a certain amount of hours and we don't adopt that structure. So we've created a really flexible working environment whereby people can be themselves, they can work from home, um, it, which obviously gives access to return to work mothers Absolutely. as well. So, Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I think, I think I just, for me, I wanted to create an environment that I could work in because I have mental health problems as well and where I felt that I could really be myself and get out the message that I wanted to get out so I created the brand Thrive because I wanted to thrive at work and it really encompasses what we're all about and and it's not just about disability and race and religion it's about all protected characteristics and about everyone just being able to thrive as themselves as themselves so I think that nicely um, sums up the next question I was going to ask you about the ethos of the of the firm uh, really is yeah. that generally the ethos allowing people to thrive exactly and it's about just being really open and honest and um, for example if I've had therapy I'm quite open about that in the office and I'll say oh I had therapy this morning and you know so making it a conversation that's just normal like if you had a bad back or your neck was hurting you'd be like oh my god my neck's hurting today and you know not saying oh we should all come in and just complain so that's probably the wrong (laughs) way to look at it but it's just about me it's normalizing those conversations and making it a bit more real because most of us suffer or have suffered and even if we've only suffered with minor stress we all know what it feels like to have a really really bad day yes and and how actually that could be made better if we could perhaps talk about it or feel as though we're not going to be punished for appearing weak yes yeah absolutely yeah um i know that you're a mental health first aider i am what is it and why are they important okay so mental health first aid is an accredited course um it's created by mental health first aid england and it's actually accredited by the royal society for public health of which i'm a fellow by the way brilliant (laughs) just drop that in yeah no but we but the reason why that's important is that you've got the consistency of a, a of an accredited program that's rolled out across the UK. And there are three different types of courses. There's the two-day course, which means you become a mental health first aider. Right. Um, there's a one-day course and a half-day course, which is about being mental health first aid aware. So what is a first aider? Yes. They are similar to a physical first aider in that they help with a crisis situation if in respect of mental health rather than the physical. Yes. So if someone is um, having a panic attack at work or if somebody um, is appearing suicidal, there's a very high rate of suicides at work at the moment. So they are equipped with skills to intervene and to basically to signpost individuals to the correct support. So they're not a counsellor, they're not a therapist, they're not a doctor. But they're there in a way to um, signpost and support them in that crisis moment. But they're also there to assist people whilst in the workplace. So it might be they're struggling with their employer and they don't really know how to communicate. So they might go through the mental health first aider as a third person. to communicate about reasonable adjustments Fantas- or to communicate yeah. about sickness absence. Fantastic. The other thing they can do is they can help spot signs of mental ill health. 
So they can show thing. Well, they can look. They can either talk to that individual and mm-hmm. try to signpost them to the correct manager or a doctor or a therapist, or it might be that they assist HR in determining what might help that individual to stay in work. Yes. So it can help with job retention as well as absenteeism. That is fantastic. Uh, and uh, so it's sure. just a proactive approach, I suppose. Yes, yeah, it is, yeah. rather than people shying away and then, then dropping out of yes. the, wor- the workplace uh, and, and the work environment, which exactly. I think is great. And do you think the law has an issue with well-being? What, as in the laws in the legal profession? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think we're, we're very um, targeted on money and hours and that doesn't account for mental ill health, I'm yes. afraid, because when you are mentally ill, you struggle to concentrate, you struggle to sleep and if you're struggling to sleep and concentrate and that cycle is constant, you are going to really struggle with achieving the same amount of work in the same amount of hours as someone who doesn't suffer. Yeah. So it's about looking at adjustments and I think there are firms doing fantastic things but there are also lots of firms that lag behind and I appreciate there are targets that people have to meet and they have to cover their costs but the cost to someone's long-term mental health is in my view more important. Absolutely, absolutely Um, and you talked about the ways that you were tackling that in in your firm and perhaps more firms can adopt that Mm -hmm. uh, in the flexibility um, uh, of work. Mm -hmm. What what, what do you think about newly qualified? Are they bringing different attitudes to the profession? Yeah, I think so. Um, I teach on the LPC and I see a lot of the um, students coming through um, obviously studying on the LPC and, and, and from that they they tend to want firms that can support them with other things, not just simply offering a training contract. Yes. Um, I've noticed that the ones, I mean, we have six students coming in January, between January and May, all doing work experience with us. Yeah. And they've all said they were attracted to us because we were doing something slightly different. Right. We were looking at well-being. And I think that's what firms need to be looking at. What is their well-being strategy? Do they consider mental health as a as something that w- they would support people with, like they would with with other eth- you know, ethnicity and sexual orientation? These things need to be taken into consideration when looking at initiatives within the firm, for sure. That is fantastic. And what about you? What What do you do to relax and switch off, mm-hmm. you know, kind of take care of your own mental mental um, health, really? I know as lawyers, we're not great at it. No. But I wondered if you could share some, some of your own. Well, I, have, I do have to practice what I preach. So I, I actually <laughs> do meditate. So I find that meditation is really helpful and not just um, kind of sitting there and being all zen. You can meditate at any point. So I do three-minute meditations. If I'm feeling really stressed, I actually go and sit in the toilet and just meditate wow. um, because I think just breathing and stopping for a moment yes it's so powerful yeah. and and I, I have a dog and I, I walk my dog and I spend time with animals and I think that's also really really helpful because it makes you think what well, stops you from thinking about work and about all the problems and you're actually like oh look at his face <laughs> <laughs> I know you haven't brought your dog here but no, we'll need to I post a picture <laughs> I'm so, I, will, I will post a picture definitely but he's, he's all over my Twitter bless him um, but also he comes into the office so the girls love that right and I know that for law firms that's a huge no-no for most firms but we love it you yeah know, why having, not yeah and he's just like he came in for Christmas jumper day he dressed up as a reindeer it was great <laughs> and you know what you, you don't have to be boring about it there are ways you know there is so just find your niche find what find what chills you um, and exercise 
Uh, huge thing for me. Yeah. Um, I, I play netball and I, I do a lot of training in the gym. And that's that's my therapy, really. I just, if I know I'm feeling stressed, I'm like, right, I need to go to the gym. And if yeah. I haven't been for three days, I kind of notice it. And, yes, and you you're nodding, it. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know you're like, I really need to get down there. Yeah. Um, instead of getting uh, maybe aggro at work. Um, and so how do you see the, the future of the profession shaping out? I think the roles of solicitors and barristers are going to change significantly in the next 10 years with the introduction of technology. Yeah. I think it's a huge... Wow, I mean, it's going to change the way we use paralegals. It's yes. going to change the way we train our our, our you know future professionals. So, um, I think there's that side of it. There's also the well-being side and the needs of individuals. The people mm. coming up now um, have different needs. They have different wants. They don't necessarily want to just all become partners and take on the world. So, a lot of people are looking more for a lifestyle choice. Yes, and whether or not that is going to be encompassed as part of a legal profession remains to be seen. Because right now I couldn't imagine that, you know, just doing, you know, three days a week just yeah. for fun. That's not an option. It's hard to do that even as a working mum. Yes, it is. So I think I think the roles will will change significantly. I mean, we're looking to develop our own app next year and working with some AI as well. So Fantastic. Um, that's on our agenda and we're in the design phases of that at the moment. So we're already thinking about it and we're only eight months old. So wow. I think it's something that um, you know the big firms, if they're not already doing it, they need to be yes. to keep to keep up to date. And I think I think a lot of the students that are coming up will have to think of things like psychology and um, technology and coding as part of their learning yeah. because they're going to have to understand how that works in practice. It's not as simple as just learning the law anymore. No, it's not. It's not. Now, Jenny, we are in the head- headquarters of huh? uh, the radical city and home of Emily Pankhurst here in Manchester, uh, and we now have a. Staff statute uh, here of Emily in, in St. Peter's Square. Uh, what do you think she would think about the profession now? Her husband, of course, famously was, was a, a barrister. Um, what, do, what do you think she would make of, you know, this, the famous suffragette, well, make I of think, our profession? I think, I mean, we, we've made significant progress. I mean, look at look at where we've come over the past 100 years. It's been 100 years now, hasn't it? Uh, well, I mean, a lot, pretty much. Yeah, well, well next year. Next year be, it is. Yeah, yeah it'll be 100 exactly. years. Yeah. So, you know, we've, we've come such a long way from being not even able to practice. Mm. And now now being, you know, I said before, we've got more women entering the profession than men. Yeah. So the fact is that, you know, we've come a really long way, but it's about retaining those women in those roles and, and getting more more women into leadership roles. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Now, I'm going to ask a slightly different thing now. Um, what's the best book that you read this year? Oh, it's a difficult Just one. Just because I'm nosy. <laughs> um, oh, what's, I'm trying to think of how... It's got a swear word in it. Oh, uh, Hang <laughs> on. Uh, the subtle people. art of not giving a... Oh, I'm reading that perfectly. Yeah, are you actually? <laughs> yes, as well as um, Becoming yeah. by Michelle Obama. Yeah. But um, I have to flick through the two. It is really funny. But I have yeah, to have, I was going to say, they're really the different. Front. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think I read a lot. Um, I, re- I like to read autobiographies and I like to read a lot about personal and uh, self, self-development, self really, and, and trying to kind of work out where your headspaces are. And, and I think we can always learn from other people. And I most agree. people have done something already. So read the autobiography read the self-help books and the and the professional books as well fantastic yeah. um and who's your favorite fictional lawyer oh i have a few <laughs> 
And I put, I put, well, I did. I think I may have already answered this question online, so I'm going to have to stick with it. And it was L words from Legally Blonde, which is really cheesy. But the reason is everybody but said... we all love it. But it's, do you know what? I'm just being real. So the reason is, is because everyone thought, what the hell? She can't do this. And actually, whilst it was a complete extreme and it is obviously not what being a lawyer is really like, yeah. um, it just showed that actually you can do anything if you put your mind to it. Oh, that's so fantastic. <laughs> and is there a quote that you live your kind of life by that you'd like to share or maybe a saying that you've adopted that kind of um, you know, I have, helps you? I have two. I have um, Create Your Own Destiny which I actually have tattooed on my body. So I don't know whether I should <laughs> announce that, but I've just announced it. Um, and also everything happens for a reason. And I know that's really cheesy, but some things in life have really set me back. Yes. And I had a mental breakdown last year and I was off for four months and yeah. I thought about quitting the profession. Yeah. And that drove me to set up Thrive. So had that not have happened, Absolutely. I wouldn't be here. So everything really does happen for a reason. Yeah. When it, when you're feeling that low or you're having those weeks where you're thinking, I'm literally not going to get through this, there's always an, there's another day and every day will get better. And I just think everything does happen for a reason. It does make you stronger. And I couldn't have done Thrive had I not have been through that because yeah. I had nothing to compare it to. Exactly, exactly. So, well, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Um, Jodie, thank you so much for oh, taking you. the time time to come and talk to me today thank you. uh, you're an inspiration and it's been wonderful having you on oh thank you so much thank you so much to jody hill from thrive law and thank you for listening to our very first episode of talking law i'm sally penny please do leave us a review or a comment and of course we'd love you to subscribe the next episode will be with you on the 7th of March. Until then, do check in and see what we're up to at womeninthelawuk.com. This has been a What Goes On media production for Women in the Law UK.